Welcome back to the Literary Salon Podcast. It is me, Damien Barr, and I'm feeling remarkably relaxed because I've spent the morning reading. And do you know how rare that actually is for me? Normally my reading is like interrupted by phone calls and emails and it ends up like, you know, I could be reading the biggest novel in the world and it turns into a series of short stories. But today I've just been losing myself in a lovely piece of historical fiction. Um, I'm not even gonna tell you what it is. Do you know what? I'm just gonna keep it a secret. But I am going to tell you about another book of the week and it's by an author that I've met at book festivals and who I admire um, and whose work I have hugely enjoyed and his work is always unexpected, often deals with social issues and he's very much part of a kind of new wave of Irish writers. So anyway, the writer is Donald Ryan and the book is The Queen of Dirt Island, which is an absolutely brilliant title. It is very heartfelt and it is very poignant. Now, he wrote The Spinning Heart and From a Low and Quiet Sea, also brilliant titles, and Strange Flowers. The Queen of Dirt Island is a story told through vignettes about the lives of four generations of women in the Aylward family living on an estate in Tipperary in Ireland. The writing is sparkling and seemingly effortless and it really does feel spare and sparkling. Some of the chapters are only two pages but in that small bit of space he shifts the tone from jubilant to devastating and you're just sort of left thinking how did he do that? He's really good at capturing the relationships between mothers and daughters their fierce love for one another through joy and hardship and the tension and he does it all with insight and intimacy. Here's Dono with more information about who inspired the writing of his latest book. My name is Donald Ryan and my latest novel is called The Queen of Dirt Island. It's about three and eventually four generations of women living together happily in a small house in Tipperary. Like all villages and all small communities, it can descend at times into a valley of squinting windows to borrow from the great Brinsley McNamara. The titular queen, Eileen Elbert, is kind of a composite of all the strong women in my life. I drew heavily from the strength and resilience and huge heart of my mother when I wrote the character of Eileen. Mam passed away in April this year and I'm so glad she got to read this book. Although she saw none of herself in Eileen. In fact, when she read an early draft, she said, where on earth did you get that one Eileen from? Anyway, at this point in the novel, Eileen is being confronted by a social worker because it seems somebody has made a complaint about her daughter, Sirisha's welfare. So these two short chapters are called protection and fear. A red-faced lady called one evening in early autumn as the sky yellowed in the west. The lady was small and round with short curly hair. She was buttoned tightly into her coat and seemed out of breath. Mother bade her sit down and the lady hefted a brown briefcase onto the kitchen table and opened it with two loud clacks. Nana was standing by the stove and Mother was drawing a chair back to sit down and saying What's this about now, Concepta? You might as well tell me straight out. And Nana suddenly blessed herself 
a sure sign that there was some threat, some danger afoot, perceived at least. This is Sirisha, is it? the lady asked and nodded towards her. You know well it is, mother replied. Who else would it be? The woman reddened more deeply and said, She's small for her age, isn't she? She's twelve. She's fourteen, mother said. And you know that well too, Concepta Quirk. Haven't you a file inside in your briefcase with every detail of my child's existence written on it? Come on now, lady, out with it. Concepta Quirk, Nana suddenly said. Are you Noni Quirk's daughter? I am, the lady said. And what are you doing, going around people's houses, tormenting them? Are you not married? I am married, the red-faced lady said. I've been married five years now. And would you not go home then and look after your husband besides driving the roads, looking for trouble where none exists? It's my job, the lady said. And Circe's curiosity now was at a screaming pitch inside her. She wanted badly to know who the lady was and what torments she was inflicting on people. She found herself enjoying Nana's interrogations and the way that Mother was smiling at the woman, dragging on her cigarette and blowing the smoke in a thin line over the lady's head. She could feel the disdain that Mother felt for the dumpy, short-haired woman, her easy superiority. Go on, Mother said. Tell me, Concepta, what's on your mind? What kind of a poison pen letter did you get this time? Am I a prostitute or a murderer or a gunrunner or what is it now? Now, now, the lady said. There's no need to be like that. Not half there's not, Mother said. Come on, Concepta, get it over with. Coronation Street's starting in ten minutes. It was about Mother's job. There was an allegation that Saoirse, a minor child, was being left alone in the house while her mother, a single parent, was working in Thornton's bookmakers in Nina. Mother drew a sheet of paper from her handbag. There's my roster, Concepta Quirk. I only work during school hours. And her grandmother minds her on Saturdays. I do, said Nana. So go on home now and make your husband supper, Concepta Quirk, and ask God for his forgiveness when you kneel tonight to say your prayers. That wasn't the finish of it. Mother was summoned by letter to Nina, to an office by the hospital, where she had to wait on her own while Saoirse was brought to a room by a lady who looked like she was at least as old as Nana. Now, lovey, she kept saying as they walked down a corridor with long tubes and a ceiling for lights. Now, lovey, here we go. In the room sat Concepta Quirk. In the few weeks since she'd come to the house, she seemed to have gotten younger and thinner, or maybe she was just more comfortable here in her own territory, with no Nana chiding her with no mother blowing smoke in her face. She wasn't red and buttoned up in a heavy coat. She was wearing a white billowy blouse and she had lipstick and eyeshadow on. She smiled at Saoirse and looked at her for a long while before she spoke. Now, Saoirse, you must tell the truth. Have you ever been left at home on your own? No. Have you ever been introduced to people in your house who made you feel uncomfortable? No. Have you ever woken up to find your mother left for work or otherwise absent from the house? No. Does your mother ever entertain guests? What does that mean? 
she imagined Mother as a cabaret singer or a magician performing for people in a spangled costume with fishnet tights and a top hat, dancing and twirling a baton and pulling rabbits from her hat with a line of people on the couch and armchairs and dining chairs clapping and whooping. It means, Concepta Quirk said, does your mother ever have friends over for a drink or for a meal maybe? Or does anyone ever stay overnight in the house? No, no, mother hates most people. She hates most people. Yeah, and she really fucking hates you. She says that my father told her you were a fat fucking goody two-shoes in school and everyone laughed at you and you were wearing a bra when you were eight and everyone called you Bazanga's quirk. And when you left our house that time, my nana and my mother laughed at you for about an hour and nana said your husband had a gimpy leg and cut eyes and water on the brain. Saoirse heard herself shout all these things in her head, but her mouth didn't open so the sounds never came out. She felt pain in the palms of her hands, and she realised that she'd be digging her fingernails into her skin. Concepta Quirk was looking at her, and she was asking her why she was crying, but she couldn't answer, even though she knew. She was crying because, for the first time in her life, in this office of a woman whose job it was to protect children, she was afraid. Saoirse Aylward was 14 years and nine months into her life before she felt fear. As I said, I've run into the author lots of times before at book festivals, so it's a real pleasure to have him on the podcast, finally. Thank you for joining us here, Donald. And the book is worth reading, by the way, just for Nana's one-liners alone. And it reminded me a lot of my own Granny Mac, I have to say. That was Don O'Ryan, reading exclusively for the Literary Salon. The Queen of Dirt Island is available now in all good bookshops and you can grab a copy from your local indie or you can get a copy from our shop on bookshop.org. And by the way, when you buy from bookshop.org, you don't just support the salon, you support all the independent bookshops um, because it all goes into a pot and it gets shared out. So isn't that nice? If you enjoyed this episode, then please do give it a share on your socials. It'll be very big, this one, with lovers of Irish literature. And we've had loads of Irish authors on the podcast uh, this year, unsurprisingly. Colin Walsh, Alice Ryan, Maura Fowley, Sebastian Barry and Carmel McMahon. And we've got more coming. Um, So anyway, we are glad to be able to spotlight them on our podcast. And it was a pleasure sharing The Queen of Dart Ireland with you today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. I hope you get an afternoon to yourself for some reading soon or a morning. Join us again soon.